Hello and welcome back to the Firestarters Podcast. I am Colin, here with Joe. What up? Today, we've got our week two recap. Let's chop it up. Welcome to episode 9 of the Firestarters Podcast. It is Sunday at 8 p.m. It is September 19th. Joe, was cracking? I'm currently trying to survive the damage that Derrick Henry did, and Lamar Jackson is doing everything in his power to prevent that from happening. But nevertheless, we had a lot of good games today. Uh, we were recording this on Monday, or on Sunday, because on Monday, we'll be at the pack again. Sure will. But other than that, we got some news and notes off the top, as usual. Uh, today, a couple surprising inactives. Uh, New England running back Ramondre Stevenson, uh, New York Jets wide receiver Denzel Mims, and Jameson Crowder, both inactive. Kind of surprising that uh, Mims gets hit with the inactive designation. Then Indianapolis wide receiver Paris Campbell, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback for the New Orleans Saints, Anthony Ferkser, tight end for Tennessee Titans, and then uh, Las Vegas running back Josh Jacobs was declared out several days ago, so that was no surprise. Yeah, I think Marshawn Lattimore had his wrist messed up before that Packer game too, so I wasn't too surprised to see that, but Ramondre being out, was pretty surprising. I mean, that just bumps up Damian Harris' stock, and we have no idea why he was out. I mean, I don't think Bill takes fumbling that seriously. Uh, Mims has just been on this downslide since he got his first hamstring injury in camp last year. Just been going down in value every day, it seems. Jameson Crowder has been kind of ambiguous this whole off season and then coming in we thought he might get cut and then he didn't now he has two dnps to start the season paris campbell i'm not sure what's going on there either uh but michael Pittman had a big game and then ferkser i think it was injury related as well and a couple of the tennessee tight ends did pretty well in his replacement yeah so Let's just jump right into the games. Uh, first game of the week was the Thursday night tilt. New York Giants lose 29-30 in Washington to the football team. Uh, Giants fall to 0-2, and Washington goes to 1-1. And Taylor Heineke, uh, he connected with Terry McLaurin 11 times for 107 yards and a touchdown. And Heineke did pretty much what we expected Fitz to do. He was 34 for 46, 336 yards, two touchdowns, one interceptions, and he managed the game pretty well. Yeah, so the the Washington team looked pretty good. I mean, got an explosion out of Terry McLaurin, which was, you know, it's not surprising to see, but we weren't sure if Heineke was going to be that guy like Fitz was uh, planned out to be. And then, unfortunately, uh, see J.D. McKissick getting the receiving work instead of Antonio Gibson. So he had a... a 20 PPR points to Gibson's nine. And then, yeah, I, I think that's uh, most of them. And, and Daniel Jones looked pretty good at football. 
Yeah, neither running back, like stud running back on either team, could really get anything going. Antonio Gibson, just 13 carries, 69 yards, uh, two catches for four yards. And then, yeah, like you said, J.D. McKissick, four carries, 10 yards, and he got the rushing touchdown, which was pretty surprising. And then five for six, 83 yards through the air. So it's not looking like Gibson will be getting that CMC workload like we were kind of hinted at at the start of the season. At least it doesn't look like that. Uh, through the first two weeks and yeah dan jones he did not have a turnover in the game 22 for 32 249 yards through the air one touchdown and then nine carries for 95 yards and a touchdown so the biggest thing is do you think this rushing is sustainable for dan jones so the thing is it seemed like every time they did that read option between daniel jones and saquon the entire Washington defense was just keying on Saquon. So Daniel Jones could just get 10 yards a pop, and that shows in the box score. He also had that huge carry. I think it was like 30-something yards that was called back to the holding. So he could have been even at 10 carries, 125 yards, which would have been Lamar (laughs) Jackson-esque. Yeah, extremely, extremely. I'm going to go with no on the rushing upside continuing. I feel like as Saquon gets more healthy, they'll probably start feeding him the rock a little more. I kind of expected these first two weeks to be a little rough in the rushing department, but he still had that big carry for 41 yards, and so he ended up with 13 carries, 57 yards. So he's getting healthier, and, and we love to see that. What about Sterling Shepard? Uh, he's got 19 targets through two two games, and he's looking like Danny's uh, favorite wide receiver on this team. Yeah, I. so the thing is, it's not that surprising because every time Sterling Shepard starts, it seems like Daniel Jones is feeding him the rock. So Sterling Shepard has been their wide receiver one since Odell left. And people thought it was going to be Slayton, but it just seems like Sterling Shepard and Daniel Jones have a connection. So I'm not that surprised. Yeah, and then even bringing in Kenny Galladay, it's it doesn't seem like that connection is there, you know, compared to what Sterling Shepard gets. I don't know if Evan Ingram played in this game. Nope, he was declared out. Oh, so that, that that could also be a factor into the high target share that Shepard is getting right now. Yep. Uh, Kenny Galladay, I mean, he had eight targets at the end of the day, which was more than Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton also dropped a long touchdown that could have won them the game, so he could have had a much better game. But, yeah, I I think Sterling Shepard is ultimately the guy in on the Giants. Yeah, and then moving on to a team that didn't look that they had a single guy today in the wide receiver room, that is... The New Orleans Saints and Jameis Winston, they fall back to earth, losing 7-26 to in Carolina. Winston just 11 for 22, 111 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns, and then made Pater with three carries, 19 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, their only score came after a Darnold interception at their own 18-yard line. No wide receiver for New Orleans, cracked four PPR points. Kamara was held to eight carries for five yards, four for six through the air and 25 yards, and the Saints looked nothing like they looked last week. Yeah, Jameis looked like vintage Jameis Winston, and it came a week too late, unfortunately, for us Packers fans. Uh, The most surprising thing is Alvin Kamara's 
dud that he laid. We were looking at this Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara kind of heavyweight bout. And I, Christian McCaffrey delivered, and Alvin Kamara did not. Eight carries, five yards, four receptions, 25 yards. So not a whole lot of production coming from the Saints side of things. Yeah, like you said, CMC did his CMC things as usual. 24 carries, 72 yards, one touchdown, uh, five for six through the air for 65 yards. He did leave for a while in the third. Looked like he was cramping up, but it did seem to be a factor because he came right back in the game and scored a touchdown. Yep, and then the even the Panthers receivers were getting involved, especially DJ Moore with those eight receptions, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Him and Sam Darnold look like they're on the same page. And then the surprising guy that I've never heard of before that came out of the woodwork is Zilstra. Uh, yeah, he had three catches on three targets for 44 yards and a touchdown. He was their second leading guy. I mean, kind of disappointing for the Robbie Anderson owners and then Terrace Marshall. He, he did okay. I mean, three receptions, three targets, 17 yards, but... Nothing to write home about for the rest of the, the Panthers receivers. Yeah, Sam Donald did enough to get the win, which is pretty much all the Panthers are looking for. Um, quarterback that didn't do enough to get the win, uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, mm. The Bears' defense swallowed Joe Burrow up. Uh, him and the Bengals lost at home 17-20. to uh, Burrow was sacked four times, and he threw three straight interceptions, one of them being a Roquan Smith 53-yard pick six. Uh, Burrow was 19 for 30 for 207 yards, two touchdowns, and then, like I said, those three interceptions. Yeah, Andy Dalton was doing enough to manage the game on one end. Joe Burrow was not. He seemed to be getting a little aggressive, trying to fit it into tight windows. Uh T. Higgins, I think, had a couple fumbles on some plays where he was trying to get runs after catch. So they only lost by three, which was really surprising because of the turnovers and the sloppiness. Um, we had a Justin Fields sighting, which was really exciting. Uh, Joe Mixon came back to earth, had a 9.6 PPR points, 69 yards on 20 carries. So a little less efficient than he was last week. And, yeah, there there wasn't a lot of big performances, a lot of middle-of-the-pack average performances out of this game besides maybe T. Higgins getting at 18 PPR points with six receptions, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, Andy Dalton hooked up with Allen Robinson on the first drive of the game, uh, but then in the second quarter he left with a knee injury. And then in came Justin Fields. Uh, he was only 6 for 13, 60 yards, one interception. And then he rushed 10 times for only 31 yards. So pretty rough showing for Justin Fields. And then it looks like Dalton will undergo an MRI on Monday. And obviously if he misses any time, we will get a full starting game and game plan of Justin Fields. Yeah, it's looking like a MCL probably for Andy Dalton is what I've been seeing. Uh, Fields' stat line looks a lot worse than he looked because he had a touchdown that Allen Robinson dropped, and then he had a couple that were dropped by receivers where he put him in good spots. I know Mooney dropped one as well by the left sideline. So it, it easily could have been 8 for 13 for 100 yards and a touchdown. So. It's a little misleading, but yeah, not 
not too exciting of a stat line, but a pretty good debut for Bears fans to be excited about. Yeah, and then uh, another quarterback that isn't expected to be starting any time this season but came in relief was Davis Mills. Uh, Tyrod Taylor was having a pretty good game. He was 10 for 11, 125 yards, one touchdown, and then one carry for 15 yards and a rushing touchdown. Uh, but he did leave the game with a hamstring injury at halftime. Uh, Cleveland then goes on to win the game, 31-21 at home. He looks like he's getting an MRI on Monday. He's already been ruled out for Thursday, so Davis Mills will be the Houston starting quarterback upcoming this Thursday. That's not great news for the few Houston fans that are left. Uh, Tyrod has been playing exceptionally well and like so much higher than expected and 10 for 11 125 yards super efficient and great yards per attempt and then he kind of tweaked the hamstring pulling up on a run and then he hurt it again when he was rolling out and so don't like hamstring injuries hope he's okay because he finally had the reins of an offense and he was doing what he needed to do with that offense yeah that team was really behind him i mean you see brandon cooks was continuing to dominate that target share nine for 14 78 yards one touchdown and then it looks like mark ingram is their lead back rushed again for 14 carries 41 yards Uh, He had one catch uh, for minus one yard. But, yeah, so you're looking at Brandon Cooks and Mark Ingram as the the two dominant players at those positions for them. Yeah, those are the guys that seem to be getting the volume, but it feels like they're running this running back by committee of Lindsey, David Johnson, and Mark Ingram, and – it's a very low end, like Shanahanian system where it's like, oh, which guy's going to pop off? And it's like, ah, oh, it's Phil Lindsay today with 9.4 PPR <laughs> points. Oh, I missed out on that one. I accidentally played Mark Ingram, you know? Well, on the other side, that was kind of the day. Um, four running backs had some pretty good action for Cleveland. And, you know, Baker had a scary play where he was trying to make a tackle off of his interception and it looked like he messed up his shoulder, but he came back in the game and he was fine. Finished with 19 for 21, 213 yards, one touchdown, and then the interception. And then even Baker got in on the running eight carries, 10 yards, got, got a rushing touchdown. So Cleveland running just like they do on the wide receiver end for him though. Jarvis Landry left the game with a knee injury in the first quarter after a 19-yard reception. So with Odell already being out, Jarvis Landry now could be out for who knows how long. I don't know the severity of the knee injury. Are they just going to keep leaning on these running backs? Absolutely. Why not? I mean, it's what's won them games in the past. It won them this game today. I mean, Nick Chubb is the ultimate workhorse, one of the best pure runners in the NFL. Nick or Kareem Hunt being the change of pace guy it and then felton had one of like the best runs of the day where he spun off of the guy and he broke like three more tackles so 
Yeah, I I don't see why they wouldn't. They have one of the best O-lines in the league. Baker had a very Baker stat line today, and he just needs to manage the game and do what he does. Odell will be a very welcome sight. He'll probably be back next week. Uh, But if not, then the receiving room is going to be pretty thin. Rashad Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Anthony Schwartz will probably be the three guys. So we shall see. Yeah, one team that is not short with receivers by any means is the Los Angeles Rams. And Cooper Cup erupted in Indianapolis today as the Rams hold on to win late 27-24. Cup, 9 for 11, 163 yards, two touchdowns. They even mixed it up, gave him a carry for a loss of five yards. (laughs) He had catches of 43 and 44 and he is averaging 30.4 PPR fantasy points through two games. He sure is. Uh, man, wide receiver one on the week up to this point, 36.8 PPR points. This was a guy who was coming off an ACL injury last year, and he didn't put up the touchdown numbers, but now he is fully healthy, and he is dominant. So him and Matt Stafford obviously have an insane connection and it is paying off big time. I mean, he's getting those touchdown numbers back up. I didn't think I was going to be seeing a 163-yard performance out of him, but my goodness, he looked good. Yeah, those those breakfasts with <laughs> Matt Stafford, man, they're, pay, they're paying off. They are paying dividends for the two. Now, the one downside for the Rams is Daryl Henderson – uh, left the game with a rib injury sometime in the second half. Uh, he was having a pretty good game, 13 carries, 56 yards, one touchdown, 3 for 5 for 29 yards through the air. Um, but then Sony Michelle came in to end the game, uh, 10 carries, 46 yards, and if he is out there on the waiver, he looks like a guy that will probably be getting picked up, uh, even if Daryl Henderson isn't like ruled out for the next game. But uh, it's still worth picking up Michelle because they'll probably split time uh, with a rib injury. That's that's a bad injury for a running back who's constantly getting hit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, this is why they, they went out and acquired Sonny Michelle because Daryl Henderson kind of has gotten beat up and has an injury history. So it's nice to have somebody with backfield experience, former top-round pick, and so you're not trotting out Jake Funk. So definitely if he's out there on the wire, it's worth a claim. Uh, Wire's pretty dry these days in most leagues, so not a bad idea. Yep, and then on the Indianapolis side, like you mentioned earlier, Michael Pittman Jr., we've seen what we were expecting finally. Goes over the century mark. Eight catches on 12 targets, 123 yards. Uh, With Paris Campbell out, it looked like Wentz was – really going for Pittman yeah Wentz was escaping pressure and then his eyes seemed to be trying to find Michael Pittman which is exactly what you want to see for your wide receiver one and then Zach Paschal keeps his touchdown streak alive I mean five for six receptions 38 yards and a touchdown so it it seems like those are your two guys through two weeks, Michael Pittman and Zach Paschal. There's really nobody else in that receiving game. Jack Doyle had a pretty good game, but most of these 
mid-tier tight ends you can't really count on day in and day out. And last week we talked about the wide receivers versus the running backs. And this week it seemed like the wide receivers took the bulk of that load as none of the running backs cracked seven PPR fantasy points. JT at 6.3 with 15 carries for 51 yards, one reception for two yards. So looks like Carson Wentz was servicing some of them. He left the game with an ankle injury. Jacob Eason came in two for five, 15 yards and a pick. So hopefully Carson Wentz is healthy for those Michael Pittman rosters. Yeah, and then if he's not, uh, Jacob Eason, you'll be seeing him coming off the waiver wire. Unfortunately. Moving on, uh, Cortland Sutton with a mm. big bounce-back game. Uh, Denver goes to 2-0. and They beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville 23-13 to in Sutton. 9 for 12, 159 yards. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was spreading the ball around 26 for 34, 328 yards, two touchdowns, added four carries for one yard. And Tim Patrick, no fan, both pick up TDs. Uh, Tim Patrick, the guy that we expected to be filling in for Jerry Judy. Uh, he was three for four, 37 yards and one touchdown. And then Fant, uh, four for six, 33 yards and a touchdown. I love Cortland Sutton. I, I'm really happy to see him healthy. And it's unfortunate that it took Jerry Judy getting injured for him to have this type of performance. And it was against Jacksonville, so you might want to put an asterisk on it. But 9 for 12 for 159 yards. If he could have got one of those touchdowns and got the 30-piece in PPR, that would have been really nice to see. But nonetheless, uh, basically 25 fantasy points in a huge performance. Javante and Melvin Gordon also basically the same fantasy score at the end of the day. Melvin Gordon with 8.9 with 31 rushing yards and 38 receiving yards on two catches. And then Javante with 8.4 fantasy points on 13 carries for 64 yards and one reception and 10 yards. So same amount of carries this week. Melvin Gordon still keeping Javante at bay. Yep. So it doesn't really look like a backfield to target just yet until one of those guys seems to fully take the reins. And on the opposite side, Trevor Lawrence struggles again. Just 14 for 33, 118 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, adds two carries for 21 yards. His own touchdown went to Marvin Jones. Uh, Marvin Jones, 6 for 11, 55 yards. Uh... He's looking like Trevor's favorite target in that Jaguars offense. Last week, Chark was the most targeted receiver, I believe. And then yep. Marvin Jones comes out this week and heavily out-targets him 4-11. to 11. So I, I'm not that surprised. Marvin Jones is a very QB-friendly receiver. He always seems to be open, and he's super athletic and can go get it. So... Yeah, I I like Marvin Jones as the player to get the most receptions on this team this year. I said that before the season, and I will hold firm, and I'll take a little bit of a victory lap after this game. Yeah, it, it, even with like Chark being that younger piece that kind of fits the timeline more, uh, Trevor seems really comfortable going toward Jones. I mean, that the touchdown came on a nice route down the – right sideline 
Jones went up. He got it over the defender right in the end zone. So if that's the guy to get over Chark and Chenault, it's not surprising considering what we heard all offseason. Yeah, I mean, you still want Chark and Chenault in Dynasty Leagues, but Marvin Jones is the redraft target that you want just because it seems like that's the guy that Trevor trusts. And James Robinson outcarried Carlos Hyde, 11 (laughs) carries to two, also put on three receptions for 17 yards, only had 47 yards, but it's a good sign that he is getting all of the work. The best sign would be if word came out that Urban Meyer was taking the USC job. Yeah, that's that's facts. But so far, we're getting nothing but denial from him. Yeah. So Trevor Lawrence's future is still in jeopardy. Uh, moving on, the Buffalo Bills completely blank the Dolphins in Miami, 35 to nothing. Tua goes out with a bruised rib and does not return. In comes Jacoby Brissett, a.k.a. Jay Brisket, who played the majority of the game. 24 for 40, 169 yards, one interception, four carries, eight yards. Do the Dolphins call the Texans about Watson? Oh, gosh. I mean, they were on the phone with them before the season. It's hard for them to deny it. I mean, the Texans' asking price is still sky high for Deshaun Watson. They want like four players and four firsts, which I don't think any team is going to pay. And the Texans might have a quarterback problem on their own. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, they should be on the phone, but with his legal problems up in the air, who knows? And hopefully, Tua, it turns out that he can be back sooner rather than later because – MRIs or x-rays were negative and he's getting an MRI later on so hopefully there's no real structural damage and he'll be able to come back pretty soon yeah I mean if it's a bruised rib uh, you can get that extra padding you know on the chest that lays a little lower Mm -hmm. Um, and even Jacoby Brissett I mean he's started for both New England and uh, Indianapolis so I mean no guy not a guy that's not known as a starter. I mean, he's done it before. He's very serviceable. And then on the other side, uh, Zach Moss returns to action, picks up two rushing touchdowns in the win, eight carries, 26 yards, those two TDs, and then two for two through the air, eight yards. He did cough it up once, but it was no factor in the decision. And then Devin Singletary also found the end zone, 13 carries, 82 yards, uh, two for three through the air nine yards and he had a 46 yard touchdown in the first quarter yep the two-headed backfield is back for the bills unfortunately for fantasy owners because it's not all games that the bills are going to win 35 to 0 and so you'll probably have to be choosing between these guys singletary still seems like he's getting a bulk of the work but zach moss is going to be their red zone running back and he's probably going to snake some touchdowns. So, once again, we're at the coin flip situation again with the Bills' backfield. Yeah, which is really frustrating because like, they take these guys in back-to-back years. Why? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I think Singletary's the one to go to. I think he's 
by far, you know, the better receiver. I think he's the more versatile runner where Zach Moss is the downhill guy, which is, that's why you have him as the red zone runner. But let a guy get like a full workload. That one of just one of them. I want to see what one of them can do with 20 carries and like three receptions. Yeah, you can kind of see what you're talking about. With Singletary has 13 carries for 82 yards, while Zach Moss has eight for 26. Yeah, it's the the different in dynamic clearly is there with the thunder lightning approach. But in this offense, it's never going to be. There's not going to be enough volume rushing wise to sustain that the two thunder and lightning running backs in the offense. There's plenty of volume in the passing game, though. I mean, Stefan Diggs had four receptions on eight targets, 60 yards, and a touchdown, which was 17 or 16 PPR points. Uh, Cole Beasley had four receptions for 36 yards. Not a bad day. Emmanuel Sanders, he should have had one more deeper catch, but ended up with two for six for 48 yards, 6.8 PPR points. So. Not too bad. Dawson Knox getting in on the action with the touchdown. Two receptions, three targets, 17 yards, and a touchdown. People were kind of hoping that Dawson Knox was going to be a little more involved because he's the starting tight end on a potent offense. But it doesn't seem like he's going to be getting a whole lot of volume because most of it's going to these three receivers with Diggs, Beasley, and Sanders. Yeah, Knox is looking more like one of those uh, tight end flyers that you're picking up and hoping he gets that one touchdown just to pay off the tight end position. Yeah. Another rookie quarterback uh, that had probably the worst day out of everyone was Zach Wilson. Mm. Um, He was dreadful in the first half. The Jets lose at home to New England. Um, Was it 25 to 6? Uh, Zach Wilson in the first half was three for seven with three interceptions. Uh, finished 19 for 33, 210 yards, four picks, three carries, 19 yards. Uh, the Jets look like the same old Jets. Yeah, this one was ugly. Uh, kind of expected, though, based on the fact that Bill Belichick doesn't let rookie quarterbacks do anything ever. So. Zach Wilson being the super raw prospect out of BYU. I mean, you can't really expect him to carry an offense that is pretty depleted of talent as it is against Bill Belichick's defense at full strength outside of having Stefan Gilmore. Yeah, I mean, that that really says it all. Yeah, it, it is the Belichick way get in the mind of the other team and just take take things away. And in this this case, it was you, you just took the quarterback out of the game. And an offense without a quarterback, you really can't do anything with. Exactly. Uh, New England's quarterback looked pretty good, uh, but the running backs looked better. James White got a lot of work. He was five carries for 20 yards and then six for six on receptions for 45 yards. Also had that rushing touchdown, which we all were hoping would go to Damian Harris. But he got one, too. 16 carries, 62 yards, and a rushing touchdown with one reception for two yards. J.J. Taylor got a little sprinkle action with two carries for three yards. 
the ball got spread around in the passing game. Jacoby Myers getting four receptions. Aguilar getting three. Kendrick Bourne getting two and a carry for 16 yards. And then Janu and Hunter Henry also getting four and two receptions, respectively. Yeah, not a lot of action through the air just because they really didn't need to. Uh, with all the turnovers in the first half, New England had a lead the entire game, so really all they had to do was run the ball. And it looks like Damian Harris does still have control of this backfield, which is a good sign. Definitely something that you don't have to guess on every week. I mean, James White's going to get a lot of work. Bill Belichick likes him and trusts him, but... Besides that, it seems like Damian Harris is going to be their workhorse on the ground. Yeah, and then a team who you never know who's going to get touches in the backfield. You don't know what wide receivers, you know, is going to be the one in the in the pecking order to get most of the work. San Francisco 49ers win a pretty boring game against Philadelphia. Uh, it was a pretty inefficient game. Uh, by Hertz, uh, he was only 12 for 23, 190 yards, 10 carries, 82 yards, one touchdown. You like to see that. Yep. Uh, he hit Quez Watkins on a 91-yard pass play in the second quarter, and then they decide to run the Philly special with Greg Ward trying to hit Hertz with a pass on fourth and goal in a and game that he was threw it out of the back of the end zone. It was a three-nothing game. They were only down by three. <laughs> it was just really just bad all around on the Eagles end after a pretty good week last week. Yeah, Hurts, the rushing upside is there, so he still did great for fantasy, but wasn't that great for the Eagles. I mean, he was, his deep ball looked really good, connected with Quez Watkins on that that one that you're talking about and then he had another one to Jalen Rager that ended up getting called back but that was also a really nice deep ball over on the right side into the end zone again this Shanahan running back roulette is back to Michael Hasty got five carries for 38 yards but was getting the receiving work with four for five receptions 21 yards Elijah Mitchell the waiver wire darling last week 17 carries for 42 yards, two receptions for 11 yards. So a very respectable workload, actually, for one San Francisco running back that everybody bought in on. If the workload is there, it's it's possible that the production could follow. Debo, again, their leading receiver. George Kittle, bad day. Yeah, it looks like Debo is going to be the most consistent 49er. I mean, he was 6 for 8, 93 yards, 2 carries, 8 yards. He looks like the guy in the passing game. Like I said, Kittle's not getting involved as much as you would like or as much as you used to see. And Brandon Ayuk, only one catch on two targets for 6 yards, and he played fewer offensive snaps than Trent Sherfield. Not something you want to see. And then we had a Trey Sermon sighting, too. One carry for eight yards, and he got concussed. <laughs> so, Fantastic. So with that, Jamichael Hasty is probably going to be a waiver wire pickup guy because now it's just down to Elijah Mitchell and him. Yeah. Uh, so, as usual, these San Francisco running backs are dropping like flies, and as usual, more keep getting thrown in 
just to see what they can do. Uh, so in my opinion, I'd avoid all 49ers except for Debo Samuel at this point. Yeah, you expected George Kittle to be one of those top three or four tight ends, depending on your list, with Waller and Travis Kelsey for sure. But he just has not been performing so far. So we'll see how that transpires. But so far, it's been pretty disappointing. Yep, moving on to a team that has not looked disappointing at all. The Las Vegas Raiders with another impressive win in Pittsburgh. Uh, Derek Carr, another great performance against another really good defense. 28 for 37, 382 yards, two touchdowns, four carries, nine yards. Uh, He did get rolled up in the second half, but he came back and he was fine. He just got the foot taped up, uh, spread it around pretty good. Uh, Renfro, Waller, and Ruggs all had five catches on seven targets. Uh, Carr hit Ruggs late for a 61-yard bomb to start the fourth quarter. Uh, it was pretty much all through the air for the for the Raiders. Uh, they knew they didn't have Josh Jacobs going into the game with the toe injury. Uh, Kenyon Drake and Payne Bar- Barber really couldn't do much on the ground, and Carr continues to play really well. Yeah, it reminds me of that season that he was having a couple years ago where he was in the MVP conversation and then he had a couple of injuries that have kind of hampered him since but it's looking like he's kind of regaining that form and Henry Ruggs finally getting one of those uh, fantasy performance that dynasty owners can kind of exhale (laughs) for once because they, they probably drafted him in the first round last year because of how the insane production at Alabama, and then he's kind of had dud after dud after dud to start his career, but finally has a pretty high-volume game with seven targets and five receptions, and then he ends with 113 yards and a touchdown. So really nice to see out of Henry Ruggs. Hunter Renfro continues to be relevant, even though I refuse to roster him. (laughs) And then Darren Waller, still really good. I mean... It looks pretty pedestrian compared to the games you're used to, but in terms of tight ends, really solid game out of Darren Waller with 11.5. Yeah, and, I mean, you throw the touchdown on that Waller score, and that's that's what you're expecting, that, you know, the 18, 19 points out of him. So can't really blame him for that performance, especially with, with Ruggs being the beneficiary to most of the target's uh, in his five catches and like you said yeah you 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 got you got the brian edwards game last week and now you got the rugs game so these young receivers uh cars got confidence in them and they are you know finally producing which is something that we didn't really see last year and then another guy that finally finally found the end zone Najee harris a pretty good game from a fantasy point uh, not too good on the ground just 10 carries 38 yards but Five for five through the air for 43 yards and one touchdown. Uh, It was Roethlisberger's only passing touchdown. Pretty rough game for him. 27 for 40, uh, 295 yards, one TD, one pick. Yeah, the Raiders defense actually looks pretty solid, especially that pass rush. So that was bothering Roethlisberger all night. He threw a couple up for grabs, and I think he threw one pick at, at the end of the day. But there was another one or two that could have been intercepted. Najee, it's great to see him in the passing game getting this work, that 5-for-5 five five receptions. 
Benny Snell, for some reason, got thrown in there, and he got stifled both times at the line of scrimmage, two carries for one yard. But a lot of guys on this team, even though Big Ben had a bad day, had respectable fantasy nights because Najee had 19.1, Deontay had 19.5, Juju had 16.4, and then Chase Claypool had 9.7 with three receptions and 70 yards. So, again, he's kind of that deep ball-dependent guy, but Deontay Johnson is still being consistently targeted double-digit targets, and is going to pull in eight to ten of those targets and get you around 15 to 20 fantasy points. Yeah. This Steelers O-line proves that it can't hold up, and so – the offense is going to go with the short passes over the rushing work in the short yardage game. And you just continue to see that. I mean, 39 total yards uh, between the two backs on the ground. So if Pittsburgh wants to have any chance in any of these games, they have to be able to throw these short passes. And like you said, Deontay, he paced all wide receivers uh, but on the very last play of the game, it looked like he had a leg injury. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the word is on that injury. If he is to miss any time, uh, you'd expect James Washington to fill in in that role. Uh, they also lost TJ Watt in the game with a groin injury in the second quarter. Uh, Devin Bush was already out for the game, so... That's a pretty big hit for the Pittsburgh defense, losing T.J. Watt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was kind of walking around under his own power and standing on the sideline with his pads on. So I, I don't expect it to be a super serious injury, but if it, it, it is a groin, so it could be kind of bothersome for the rest of the season even. Yeah, tough spot for a guy that, makes his hay sticking his leg in the ground and then exploding so hopefully he's good uh melvin ingram looked pretty good filling in for him i know he came in he had a sack and some pressures on cars so just something worth watching for yep then another guy that had a couple sacks three to be exact daniel hunter was getting after kyler murray But Kyler Murray didn't care. Uh, He had another monster game. As the Vikings blow it again, Minnesota falls to 0-2 as they lose to Arizona 33-34 on a missed field goal by Greg Joseph. He drilled two 50-yarders in the game, but he missed an extra point, which would have tied the game anyways, and then he missed a 37-yard field goal with two seconds left in the game. Uh, K.J. Osborne looks like a viable player. Uh, He led Minnesota in receiving 5 for 6, 91 yards. He had a 64-yard touchdown uh, in the second play of the game. And if he is still out there, he's definitely worth grabbing. My waivers are in on K.J. Osborne because I wanted to kind of see it after the, the week one performance. But now two weeks in a row where Kirk Cousins is feeding him. And so... He ends up with more fantasy points than both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, which nobody could have expected. But, yeah, big day for K.J. Osborne. And then Dalvin Cook also had a great day on the ground. Didn't get find the end zone, but 
22 carries for 131 yards and then two catches for 17 yards is exactly what you want to see out of a guy like that. He was a little dinged up a couple times during the game, but still ended up finishing it out. And so, yeah, the, love to see the, the big game out of Dalvin Cook, even without the touchdown. Yeah, the touchdowns really saved uh, Thielen and Jefferson, you know, giving them a respectable score. Still not quite as much as you'd want to see out of both of them, but it was still, you know, what you need out of this Vikings offense as the the big three outside of Kirk Cousins uh, getting involved. And then on the other side, you've seen some guys, you know, Rondell Moore had a breakout game, uh, 7 for 8, 118 yards, one touchdown, that touchdown being a 77-yard touchdown in the second. Uh, there was an A.J. Green sighting, yep. uh, 3 for 6, 44 yards and a touchdown. And then the guy that came completely out of nowhere, tight end Max Williams, 7 for 7, 94 yards. I'm sure he will be picked up in every single league being a tight end and being a position that is such boomer bust if this guy is starting to see this sort of target share you will be quite the sleeper and maybe even a league winner i i assume he won't because it it just seemed like he was wide open every time he was getting targeted which i mean if they're scheming him to be wide open that's great and i will miss out on max williams in my fantasy leagues but he basically has the same stat line that gronk had last week minus the touchdown so gronk i am feeling a little more confident in but uh, i'm sure we'll get to him next love that we see rondale moore getting eight targets getting seven receptions he just is so explosive he almost had another touchdown but he fumbled uh but yeah that 28 ppr points again is a nice Thing to see for the people that drafted him in the first round of dynasty drafts this past offseason hopkins again had a touchdown only got four targets but caught them all for 54 yards yeah all hopkins damage came in the first quarter and you're like oh man here we go yep. is, this, is this gonna be the wide receiver game you know for hopkins but uh Kyler decided to spread it around a little more uh 29 for 40 400 yards uh, three touchdowns, did throw two picks, uh, which kind of kept the Vikings in the game. And then he also added his rushing touchdown on five carries for 31 yards. So uh, looking like a vintage Kyler game, as much as you can call a vintage Kyler game, being that he's only been in the league for three years, but he's doing things still. It's it's true. Another guy <laughs> continues to do things. TB12. Stays hot. Throws five tutties. They beat Atlanta at home 48-25. to Tom Brady, 24 for 36. 276 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, he did have one fumble and one carry for six yards. And we are continuing to see the Gronk renaissance. Yep. Four for five, 39 yards, two touchdowns. Mike Evans benefited. He got two touchdowns. Five for nine, seventy-five yards, and Godwin uh, got the last touchdown. So, no one out of the ordinary scoring really for the Buccaneers, uh, but you did see the Antonio Brown fall off. Uh, you 
He did not get the target share that he did in week one. Uh, Mike Evans was more involved. Um, and the running backs, even though Ronald Jones got the start, it it didn't matter. You still don't want either of them because Tom Brady is just going to continue throwing touchdowns. Yeah, this is a game that you can call vintage because Tom Brady is old as dirt and is still a top five quarterback in the league and is still probably the QB one or two this week, even though he only had one carry for six yards, which everybody wants the rushing upside of the Jalen Hurts of the world or the Lamar Jacksons, but... Then when it comes down to it, Tom Brady throws for 276 yards and five touchdowns, and uh, Lamar's not looking so great, and Jalen Hurts also not looking so great. So when you give Tom Brady weapons like Mike Evans and Godwin and reunite him with Gronk and then even A.B. just as the cherry on top, what do you really expect? Let's Let's just be honest there. And so... Yeah, Gronk, two touchdowns, made his numbers look a lot better than they did. But, I mean, it seems to be – he seems to be the guy that Tom Brady is looking for in the red zone, as is Mike Evans with his two touchdowns. And then Godwin, we were both crossing our fingers waiting on the Godwin touchdown, and it finally came towards the end of the game. So, shout-out to, to TB12 for helping out the fantasy teams. Him and Gronk can literally just look each other, look at each other, and the, and they know you know what's gonna happen. You've right. seen it last week against Dallas. It was literally eye contact. They knew they had the blitz coming on that side. He slung it to Gronk, four steps was in the end zone. I, that rapport is, it's gotta be like the best in the league right now. I mean, who's got that sort of connection that is. Like, even comparable right now. Exactly. I mean, like, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae, maybe, but it is, like, they are have telepathy the way that they <laughs> operate, especially in the red zone. So, yeah, that is something that I was wrong on last week. I figured that Gronk would go back to normal and get his, like, ho-hum eight, nine points, but here he is again at basically 20-piece again. And then on the other side, the Falcons' offense finally woke up, uh, but Matt Ryan really uh, prevented them from having a chance at winning this game. Uh, Ryan was 35 for 46, 300 yards, two touchdowns. But he threw for three interceptions. Uh, Mike Edwards had two pick sixes. Um, But outside of that, uh, Calvin Ridley, 7 for 10, 63 yards, one touchdown. That's what you like to see out of him. Kyle Pitts, 5 for 6, 73 yards. Uh, Mike Davis getting a lot of work in the passing game, 7 for 7, 25 yards, and then added 9 carries for 38 yards. And then the other guy that's like, you're going to see him getting picked up. It is Cordero Patterson. Somehow he got two touchdowns. The the gadget guy of all gadget guys, 7 carries, 11 yards, 1 touchdown. Five for six through the air, 58 yards, and one touchdown. Yeah, when I was watching this game, it was like, oh, Cordero's in again. and But it was like for whole drives, and Mike Davis just wasn't seeing the field some drives, and it was like, oh, interesting. But he ended up pulling out two touchdowns. I mean, they were using him in the backfield, putting him in the slot. So might be a guy worth targeting. Uh, 
Kelvin Ridley finally back on track, and Mike Davis had an okay game, not efficient at all. I mean, seven receptions for 25 yards is pretty bad. But, again, they're playing this Bucks defense, which is pretty pretty stingy when it comes to the run game. Yeah, I was definitely trying to avoid Mike Davis this week. Uh, but the 7s for 7 for 25 yards is interesting to see, especially, you know, in PPR formats. You seen last year when he's filling in for CMC, he was getting that that work through the air, so they know he can do it. Um, but in this Falcons offense, you're never going to see that sort of volume for it really to to benefit long term or even be consistent. Yeah, but Kyle Pitts having that five for six for seventy three yards was really nice. He looked fantastic. I mean, he had a couple of really tough catches. The body control is just as good as it was in college. So no reason to panic after week one because this week two performance kind of sets him back on track. He adds a touchdown to that stat line, and it is looking nice. So Kyle Pitts, great game from him, and I'm excited to see him be kind of the second option behind Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that definitely looks to be the case. Um, Russell Gage got a little shaken up in the game. So, I mean, if he's ever out, that just means more targets to Pitts and Ridley, which is probably where this Falcons offense should be funneling most of the volume because it looks like these are the best two playmakers on the team. Cordero Patterson, take his score with a grain of salt. I mean, two touchdowns outside of that. (laughs) I mean, the production wasn't that good. So, he is one of the few guys on Sleeper that is – like a flex that you can play at both wide receiver and running back Mm -hmm. because he has that two position designation, which is very unique to him. But unless you're like us and you have those return stats in two, it is very boomer bust. Absolutely. Moving on, Greg, the leg, he gets his redemption. Uh, Dallas wins 20 to 17 against the chargers. Greg Zerline with the game-winning 53-yarder as time expires. And this game for Dallas was pretty much the opposite of what we've seen last week. Dallas basically did it all on the ground. Ezekiel Elliott, 16 carries, 71 yards, a touchdown. Two for two through the air for 26 yards. Then big Tony Pollard game, 13 carries, 109 yards, one touchdown. And then three for three through the air for 31 yards. Uh, Dallas showing that they can do it through the air and on the ground. Yeah, people have been asking for Tony Pollard to just get more touches, and he got those 16 touches and turned him into 140 yards and a touchdown. So huge, huge day for somebody that's been hanging out on people's rosters for a long time and not sniffing the starting lineup. Zeke Elliott had a good day, uh, you know, ho-hum Ezekiel Elliott day, 71 yards, a touchdown, and then 26 through the air. Uh, C.D. Lamb was basically the only receiver of note on the uh, Cowboys today, and, I mean, that that's a lot different than it was last week uh, with Amari Cooper and then Cedric Wilson only having 4.5. Uh, Mari Cooper having that three for five for 24 yards. So, yeah, uh, Mari Cooper got shaken up at one point during this game. But C.D. Lamb, their wide receiver one. 
Yep, the consistent targets are there for CD. He is he's, he's more of a playmaker with the ball in his hands. They like running the hitches. They'll even run the jet sweep. Uh, he got like a carry right out of the backfield, and he cut it up, busted it in between the tight end and the wide receiver, got a good gain out of it. So they definitely are emphasizing uh, CD and making sure to get him the ball as much as they can. Uh, Zeke and Pollard, it's it's so weird because, like, watching the game, when it's a handoff to Zeke, you see Zeke behind the line of scrimmage, and then he cuts, and then he's on the other side. When Tollard, Pollard's getting a handoff, all of a sudden he's just on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's got his burst of speed is so good which you know it it makes these guys a pretty good tandem as running backs but for Zeke owners you'd really like to see that those three targets that Pollard got really go to Zeke because that's what made him a top three and the top tight end when he was a rookie you know it, it was that work in the passing game that really benefited him yeah I mean him being one of the best running backs in the league came from just getting sheer volume. So having only 18 touches and Pollard getting 16 touches, it's, it's going to be a little more of a timeshare. So anybody that rosters either of these players is not going to be very happy with the volume that they're getting. I mean, Pollard, this is probably the best game you're going to get as as a, somebody who rosters Tony Pollard. But Zeke has a lot of upside. I mean, he looks like he might be a little less explosive than he used to be. But if he's getting this kind of volume, you can expect this kind of production. Yeah, he's still really an aggressive runner. And you can see it. He's still dragging guys on him. He's spinning. He's shaking. He's doing everything to try to get him off. Do you think this is a case where they're just trying to extend Zeke's longevity through the season? Uh, we mentioned it earlier, which is something we were hoping that the Titans would do with Derrick Henry, but it doesn't seem like they're doing that in the slightest. Um, but do you expect this to kind of tilt more towards Zeke as the season goes on? Yeah, I feel like in the later parts of the year when it starts to get colder and they start going more towards like a playoff game plan you'll start to see Zeke a little more than Tony Pollard but I I would expect them to keep his legs fresh as long as possible by using Pollard more which is really good for this offense because Pollard looks really explosive yeah he's he's no slouch I mean a lot of teams would love to have Tony Pollard as their starting back so then Austin Eckler, the running back for the L.A. Chargers, uh, he got back to form, nine carries, 54 yards. He had a two-point conversion, and then nine through nine for nine through the air for 61 yards. Uh, that hamstring does not look to be bothering him anymore. Herbert looks like he's having a little sophomore slump. He had two more turnovers. He was 31 for 41, 338 yards. One touchdown, two turnovers, and then just four carries for 12 yards. Kind of looked a little confused. Yeah, the 
the Cowboys were sending a lot of different fronts at him and a lot of different kinds of pass rushes at him, and it seemed to be kind of throwing him off a little bit. He was off-platform a lot. He was chucking it up a couple times. I mean, it, yeah, it didn't look great for Herbert. It was still a pretty good game, but those picks came at crucial times, and yeah, it, it kind of killed their their mojo that they had going on. Yeah, one guy that still kept his mojo was Mike Williams with another 22-point performance. Uh, 7 for 10, 91 yards, and one touchdown. And he seems like the main target uh, in the middle of the field. Being that big receiver, uh, Herbert seems to like to go toward him uh, more than Jared Cook. Uh, last year or last week, we seen Gronk just destroy the middle of the field uh, against this Dallas team. So we we're thinking that'll probably be Jared Cook this week. You know, target that if you're streaming the tight end, target the team playing Dallas. But uh, in this game, it looked like Mike Williams was filling that role. Yeah, Mike Williams' season has continued for another week. Seven for 10, 91 yards and a touchdown. I mean, really great performance this week he did outpace keenan allen in targets keenan allen keenan allen only had eight targets four catches 108 yards which is really good uh and then guyton is still getting the third wide receiver snaps over josh palmer but that's all right we can live with it but yeah jared cook i thought that he would have a pretty big season being the tight end on this high-powered offense, but the offense hasn't been as high-powered as we wanted it to be. But Austin Eckler, back to form with nine catches, I mean, after a game where he didn't get targeted once, that is really nice to see for Eckler owners. Yeah, you expected this offense to be scoring a lot more touchdowns than field goals, but so far... That has not been the case, and it's really all going to land on Herbert's shoulders whether this offense can get clicking or not. Yep. An offense that finally got clicking this week. Tennessee Titans. King Henry has claimed Seattle as his own. <laughs> <laughs> Titans take down Seattle 33-30 to in overtime, and Derrick Henry would not be stopped. 35 totes, 182 yards, three touchdowns, added six for six through the air for 55 yards. As the game goes on, he gets better. He had the 60-yard touchdown run to open up the fourth quarter. (laughs) For 35 carries in the second game. Yeah, this is pretty nuts. It was kind of like a microcosm of the seasons that he usually has because at the beginning it was like, ah, all right, Derrick Henry's going to struggle a little bit again. And then he gets a touchdown and then he gets another touchdown. And then it's like, Oh, there's the 51 yarder. There it is. There's Derrick Henry. So yeah, 35 carries six receptions is nuts for Derrick Henry. I mean, there was a the over under for catches on this game was one and a half for Derrick Henry. 
And he's just like, yeah, I'll go get six and help out my PPR fantasy owners because that's just what I do. I mean, 48.7 fantasy points for King Henry. I mean, what else can you say? If you don't win with this on your roster, I I feel bad for you. Um, we also got a vintage Julio game. That was pretty sweet. Six for eight, 128 yards. Uh, not much else on the Tennessee side outside of that. A.J. Brown struggled. He was just three for nine. Um, and then with Ferkser being out, a couple other tight ends got some action, but nothing really to ride home about. On the other side, it, it, it was Bobby Wagner trying to do absolutely everything in his power to stop this Tennessee offense. 20 tackles, four assisted tackles. He had one sack, two QB hits. He He just... It was like Henry just would run into him every play. <laughs> Bobby Wagner was the only guy that could take him down. Oh, man, that is nuts. I didn't even see the, the 20 tackles stat line. That is crazy. Yeah, and then Seattle's offense didn't help him out at all. They had 13 total yards of offense in the fourth before their final drive, and their only drive in overtime went for negative 12 yards. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, that's a tough one. But they had two guys that showed up today. Tyler Lockett continues to make big plays. He's 8 for 11, 176 yards in a touchdown. He had the 51-yard catch in the first, and a 63-yard touchdown in the second. And he continues to be the focal point of this offense, especially through the air. And then rookie Freddie Swain makes an impact with Dwayne Eskridge out with a concussion. Swain was 5 for 5 for 95 yards and a touchdown. And they added a carry for 5 yards. So if Eskridge is going to be out for any extended period of time with this concussion, uh, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, Usually that's pretty scary if you're out that long with a concussion. But probably a guy that you'll see being picked up off of waivers just off of this one performance. Yeah. Tyler Lockett, two weeks in a row, getting solid, solid target share, solid production. I mean, this is a scary sight because Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett have always been in lockstep with one another, but Lockett hasn't always been schemed this way as the wide receiver one in the offense. I mean, DK had the same amount of targets, each had 11 apiece, but... Tyler Lockett, 178 yards. He just seems to get open on one of those deep routes. It's Tyreek Hill-esque in in this Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett kind of stack where if he's going to be getting 11 targets, it's likely that one of those is going to be a bomb for a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, if you're, <laughs> if you're taking 11, 10 shots a game, to him, you you would expect one of them to be one of those that's blown the top off. And Russell Wilson's one of the best deep ball throwers in the game. It's like <laughs> you're looking at a top ten wide receiver right here in Tyler Lockett. Absolutely top 
could be top five if he's putting on performances like this week in and week out. Yeah, it's it's very Tyreek Hill esque. Yeah. And as of now, that Sunday night game is still going on. Uh, the Ravens are down twenty four to twenty eight. Uh, Lamar Jackson seems to be hooking up with Marquise Brown a lot, yep. which is killing me. <laughs> so that's where we are this week. Yeah, Hollywood Brown just caught a bomb from Lamar to put a touchdown on the board. As of now, he has six receptions for on nine targets for 113 yards and a touchdown. So a huge game for Hollywood. That's two weeks in a row where he's getting crazy target share and is producing on that target share so it doesn't seem like sammy watkins wide receiver one season is upon us but hollywood brown is making good on a lot of draft picks and a lot of people fading him so mark andrews also coming back to form he has four catches for 47 yards as of now and it is 930 left in the third quarter so you you assume he'll get up over those that 10 ppr points with uh, another catch or two and yeah so tyreek hill having a, a pretty pedestrian game so far two catches for 11 yards uh mahomes doing mahomes things uh lamar with two picks one being a pick six was pretty tough to see but outside of that uh nothing nothing too crazy going on uh demarcus robinson has a touchdown travis kelsey's being travis kelsey he has 8.3 ppr points on four receptions for 43 yards and that is about it for that game yeah and we will be back on thursday uh with a little preview of next week and we will recap the monday night tilt between the packers and the lions Yes, we will, and we appreciate everybody listening to episode 9 of the Firestarter Podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.